Welcome to Fighting for the Underdog, the podcast that follows the tales of compassion and bravery of animal rights activists all over the world. As I interviewed these amazing people, I was truly inspired by the common theme of hope that they give to underdogs everywhere. They taught me that sometimes the greatest power an underdog possesses is never giving up hope. Hi, I'm Christina Bergston with the Animal Law Firm where we are fighting for the underdog. If you don't listen to any other video, listen to this one because this one is really important. In some of my other videos, I've talked about the problems with animal law, one of which is that animals are property. What I do and what my law firm does every day in and out of court is try to change that. It's a slow process because only legislators like state representatives, uh, federal representatives, state senators, etc. Like they can only change the law. The separation of the power doctrine, if you remember from your civic studies in elementary and high school, uh, the separation of powers doctrine requires that the legislature writes the laws, the executive branch enforces the laws, and the judicial branch interprets the laws. And so part of the reason why it's so hard to make change in the law through litigation is because a lot of times courts will say, I'm not going to touch this with a 10 foot pole. I'm not a legislator. This belongs in a campaign for a legislator to change the law. So petition your local council members or senators or whatever. Um, and so the reason why that is so disheartening is because a lot of representatives don't want to get involved in animal law because there's so many lobbying dollars in keeping animals as property. This is because of the agricultural and the dairy industries having such strong lobbies. But what I'm advocating for is not to change the agricultural or the dairy industry laws. Um, personally, I think they should be. I'm vegan, but that's a whole nother video for a whole nother day. Um, that aside, what I'm doing is I am trying to change the laws when it comes to pets. Now, pets are typically cats and dogs, some birds, hamsters, ferrets, um, some small rodents. Um, typically those kinds of things, snakes, lizards to a certain extent, depending on the breed and the size. Um, anyway, not the breed, but the species, you know what I mean. So I'm trying to advocate for a change there because this is where the law has not caught up to society. Now we've had examples of this in our history. Um, none of them are very good like examples of uh, America as a shining bastion of democracy and equality, but a lot of these laws have come to be changed because of the changes in society's views. Like for example, women's right to vote. Forever and ever and ever, <laughs> women were not allowed to vote, right? And then eventually that changed. I don't remember exactly when, I probably should know, but I wanna say in like the 19, 20s or 30s, probably the 30s, um, because women were viewed as not having as much rights as men, and so they were legally allowed to be discriminated against because they were kind of like a second-class citizen. I mean, obviously, I could get into the uh, many, many um, problems with race in our country, and I'm not trying to equate those two things. They are not the same. I don't mean gender discrimination and race discrimination, they are not the same thing, but I'm not trying to equate either one of those things to animals 
designation as property because they're not they're not the same like people are different than animals and like some of my vegan uh, friends and associates would probably disagree with me on that but for purposes of this video for purposes of what I do day in and day out in court those are different things but the analogies are the same right because society changed its views it allowed the Supreme Court of the United States and other higher courts throughout the country to say things like, no, actually that's stupid. Women are the same human status as men, so they should be able to vote, right? And um, no, that's stupid and also evil that people of uh, different skin color, who people who are not white uh, are lesser people than white people. like." Because society changed its viewpoints, that allowed for landmark decisions like Board versus Brown of Education and a variety of other changes um, in the legal regime through litigation that have led to equal rights as we know them today, which are not perfect, I understand, but just for the sake of what I'm talking about, that is what allowed change to happen. And so, like, in tandem with what I'm doing, which is trying to get courts to recognize that there is a special value, emotional value of pets to their people, and that pets specifically need to be viewed differently because we're not allowing people to recover their full damages for losing their pet, right? Like, I have a case right now in Pennsylvania where this guy spent $20,000 trying to save his dog's life and the vet just screwed up. And you know what their attorney is saying to me? Their attorney is saying, we'll give you replacement value to settle this case. Well, replacement value doesn't make my client whole. My client spent 20 grand. Replacement value is significantly less than what my client spent. Like to even make my client whole, the law does not make my client whole because in Pennsylvania, as in every other state that I practice in, pets are property. And so because of that, that is like, in my opinion, unconstitutional because we are purposely, the, the government is preventing people from recovering in full for their, their losses, for their injury by making pets as property. And the same thing with dangerous dog, like a dangerous dog all over the country, they're usually municipal, sometimes they're statewide laws, but whether it's dangerous dog, aggressive dog, vicious dog, it doesn't matter what the label is. We're treating dogs on one hand, like you can get in trouble for animal cruelty as you should, and animal cruelty should be a higher offense than a misdemeanor, but in most places it's just a misdemeanor if it even makes it that high. But whatever, again, different video for a different day. In animal cruelty, we're giving, we're giving animals almost human status in terms of protecting them as a victim of a crime, right? Which we should, right? But in dangerous dog cases, we're not doing that. So if your dog bites another dog, it's not, it's treated almost like an animal cruelty situation, right? Where the, the victim dog gets victim protections. But the attacking dog, is, so like the, the victim dog doesn't get pain and, pain and suffering like you can if you're a human injured by a dog. The, the victim dog doesn't get emotional distress, but the person who owns the animal can get like emotional distress related 
compensation, like costs of therapy from having to watch their dog get you know, bit by another dog. Um, and if, it's, if animals are property, then how are they allowed to get this? This has never been discussed in criminal court. And it shouldn't be allowed under the current regime because that's like saying I went to therapy because I saw my couch catch on fire, right? Like I agree that they should be compensated for that. That's just my personal opinion, but the law doesn't allow for that. And since I represent dog owners whose dogs are accused of biting another dog, to me, that person shouldn't get emotional type damages related to destruction of their property because if animals are property then they're property all over they can't just be property when the court feels like it and this is also a problem in the dangerous dog statute because if a dog bites another dog we're not looking at it from the biting dog's perspective, most states will immediately lock up that dog in solitary confinement for months on end without any evaluation being done, without any like social interaction, no training, no nothing. This dog just sits in a cage for like 23 hours a day and no touch, human interaction, no nothing. Like a lot of times we have to motion the court for our client to even be able to see their dog, which is crazy. But that aside, so we're not taking into account animal behavior. We're treating the victim dog like a human victim almost and allowing recovery for damages related to emotional states from watching someone's pet like get injured. But then that dog that's incarcerated or in solitary confinement, there's absolutely no consideration of how solitary confinement will impact that dog and create a dog that's probably going to be dangerous when it's released because it's spent so much time without any love or affection or any kind of like touch um, or training or guidance or anything. It's just sitting in a cage. So that's another problem with animal law and like why what I do matters so much. The other reason why it matters is because in pet custody, animals are property and a lot of times the court will just say, well, whoever's name is on the purchase agreement, the adoption contract, that's the person who owns the pet. But it doesn't take into account like who spent time with the pet, who the pet likes more who spent more money on the pet, who spent more time training the pet, or love, or affection, or anything like that. Um, where, so there's no standards for that because they say it's property. They say that the pet is property. So throughout the law, in everything that I do, there's all these different inconsistencies that show that there is a basis for animals being, for pets being more than just property. And so because of that, there is so much hope because of what we're doing to change the law. And so I would ask that you, you know, get involved and talk to your local representative, your local legislators, whether at the city level or the state level or the federal level, and just talk to them about how this doesn't make sense. Talk to them about being brave and being the first person to try to propose legislation that recognizes pets for what they are, that they're emotional, sentient beings who are our family members and that they truly matter because the way the laws are written now are not allowing people to recover their damages for their injuries, for their losses in accordance with what is actually going on in society. So this was a really long video, so I appreciate you sticking it through to the end. 
hopefully you see what I'm saying. If not, um, you can always send us a message, give us a call, we're happy to talk to you. Check out our blog because we have a lot of blog posts on this topic. I will be adding a more in-depth analysis of the dog bite statues and what's wrong with them um, to the blog very shortly, so keep an eye out for that. Join a local advocacy group. Colorado Voters for Animals is a great one to join in Colorado. And then there are also lots of other groups um, that are similar to it throughout the state. If you need direction on it, reach out to Colorado Voters for Animals because they can send you to the right local animal advocacy group in your area. So thanks for listening in, uh, underdogs. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. You take care and stay safe out there. That was such an inspiring interview. I learned so much and I hope you did too. If you were moved as much as I was and want to support this amazing organization, please visit my website at theanimallawfirm.com and check out our merch page or follow the links to donate to this organization directly. All profits from merchandise sold on my website go to support the guests on my show. If you want to support the podcast, please share us on social media and give us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, my fellow underdogs.